that is, is it's when everything around you seems like it's total chaos and it seems like, uh, like everybody might be against you or just maybe, maybe you've just been having a really bad day. Maybe things look like it's just, you just need a company of heaven. Amen. And that is those that will come alongside of you and just say, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. So, you know, we, we've been, uh, I was in prayer and just doing a little bit of a studying last night. And, I, and all of a sudden, a company of heaven came in from some friends of mine that were in Tennessee. And it came in at the perfect time. And it's going to go with the message that I have to share this, this uh, morning. I, I have a video that I want you all to see. And it's something that there's a move of God that broke out in Tennessee. It's happening right now. You know, and and, you know, how many know we've been in we've been in some weeks of of glory revival and and in the process of of revival and the process of seeing the, the, the amazing manifestations of God happen. You better believe there was chaos. There was chaos. But you know, what? it's all worth it. So I want to play us this video really quick, and I want everybody to pay attention because it's it's pretty exciting. Because, see, the Lord is doing something right now all over the earth, and we're we're coming out of this pandemic, or we're in this quote-unquote pandemic, but I'm telling you what, there's a God on the throne, and we're about to see a move of God that is unprecedented. I mean, listen, I remember back in 2010, the Lord gave me this, this vision, and I saw pockets of fire that were being birthed in the nation, pockets of revival, glory, fire, and I believe we're stepping into that time now. Next week, we're going into week six of our outpouring. We've got a whole another week of revival coming up next week, and we're really excited about that. <clears throat> Holy Ghost. Allow me to compose myself really quick, guys. It just sounds so much more epic on the big speakers. So sometimes we just need a company of heaven. And uh, praise God, that was mine. And I hope it was one for you, too. Yes, the kids, we are going to let the kids out. Children. If you're a child, you can please go with Sister Melissa. They will go with you. Yes. <laughs> All right. If you want to send your children, Melissa's right there at the back of the room. She will take your child and she will show them the ways of the Lord. <laughs> but you know, Lord Jesus, okay. Father, I just thank you, God. Lord, that you would use me this morning, God, to be a vessel, Lord, and that you would be glorified in all things, God. And Lord, that nothing that's of your heart, whatever's not of your heart, God, that it would just fall to the ground right now, God. I thank you, Father, for for this word. I thank you for those that are watching and online and those that are here this morning, God. and 
Let there be a tangible and transferable anointing that would be released through media right now. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So this morning I'm going to call our message and I've already been, I was actually bribed by some of our media team. They said, listen, I'll give you $12 if you can have us out of here by 12 o'clock. Because they want to eat some food. (laughs) I don't know if that's going to happen, son, but do what we can. We'll get you a doggy bowl or what do they call them? What the to-go plates or what do they call them? Um, but anyway, so this, this morning we want to call it, if you just believe, if you just believe, it is. One of the biggest enemies of revival or even a move of God is religion and unbelief. And lately, I've been hearing a lot of this word through social media and through just various outlets. I keep hearing this word, and it's called expose. I have to expose. I have to expose. So, Holy Spirit, let us expose the plans of the enemy this morning. Because he is a good God. He is a good God. He really is. You know, in the midst of this uh, outpouring that we've had, I'm going to be very honest with you, and I'm going to be very transparent this morning. And, and, and I'm even going to, it may be sound a little bit bolder than, than, it, than I want, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I didn't come to Ohio to do church. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not, I mean, I'm not, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I didn't come to Ohio just to do a couple services, sing a couple songs, and just hang out and just do church. We came to see a move of God. The Lord said, I'm going to send you, and we're going to see Ohio set ablaze. And I believe that. Wholeheartedly, I believe that. And when you come into a region... Now, I'm going to speak because this whole ministry, what we're doing here, you know, we are the church. But when I say church, I'm talking about the, the ecclesia, the government of heaven right now. So I'm going to use the governmental words right now to establish because we're talking about a, a kingdom message. On earth as it is in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? So... As, as an apostolic leader, there's certain responsibilities that the Lord has laid, laid upon my chest and upon my heart that I can't just be quiet about. And part of those things is regional assignments. So I think we're going to expose some regional demons this morning. Holy Ghost. I have never experienced (laughs) the amount of religion that I have experienced in the past six weeks in my whole life. Listen, I've lived in the Bible Belt. I was in Alabama where there was a church every three blocks. 
And every single one was in revival. They were all in revival, but they were all in divided revivals. That's not revival. Because if it was revival, everybody would be together. That's just the truth. I mean, I'm not just... But I have never experienced the amount of, of demonic assault that I have in these past few weeks. And believe it or not, the assault that we have seen has not even come from the unbelievers. Man. I'm like, what? I would be okay if they were unbelievers because they go, oh, God bless them because they just know not what they do. But, but I'm talking about believers. Leaders. Holy Ghost. And I am going to use my words really wise because this is not a... Um, I'm not taking jabs at nobody at all. But I will expose the plan of the enemy. Because see, religion and unbelief are two main keys that the enemy is using right now to divide the church. We see these videos like this where this man has Parkinson's disease. He comes up in a wheelchair, can't even move. The glory of God comes, he gets set free, stands up, dancing. Radically set for you, saw it. But we'll have believers in the room that say, Take him to a doctor first. I don't believe it. That's a lie. That's all hype. That's unbelief. We can call it whatever we want to call it, we can mask it however we want to mask it. That is unbelief so let's uh, I promise I'm not going to make this so long because I do know we have a special lunch afterwards but let's turn to mm-hmm. Matthew 17 I believe can you believe I didn't write what verse I want to be on Matthew 17 And we're going to start on verse 14. Can we pull that up on the screen? I just want to make sure I'm in the right verse, please. Yeah. So we're going to be in uh, um, Matthew, did I say 17? We're going to start at verse 14. Uh, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Because I just like the way this is going to flow for what I'm going to be sharing this morning. It says, Now when they had came down to the mountain to the other nine disciples, they had noticed a large crowd of people gathered around them. I'm sorry. Had uh, um, gathered around them with the religious scholars arguing with them. 
Now the crowd was astonished to see Jesus walking himself toward them. So immediately they ran and they welcomed him. What are you arguing about with the religious scholars, he asked them. And and the man spoke up out to the crowd. Teacher, he said, I have a son who is possessed by a demon that makes him mute. And I brought him here to you. And I brought him here to you, Jesus. Verse 18. Whenever the demon takes control of him, it knocks him down, and he foams at the mouth, and he gnashes his teeth. And he becomes stiff as a board. And I brought him to your disciples, hoping that they could deliver him. But they were not strong enough. Jesus said to the crowd, Jesus said to the crowd, Why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Now bring the boy to me. I want to stop right there. I don't know if you can hear the tone in his voice. This is Jesus talking, and he says, Why are you such faithless people? What does it say in that verse right there? Um, Faithless and perverse. Yeah, we're going to get to that too. Why was Jesus frustrated? What do you you think? What was it that made Jesus frustrated? Because you can hear, why are you such a faithless people? I mean, I can hear, like, I can imagine, like, his, you know, like, How much longer must I remain with you? You've been everywhere with me. You've seen it all. And a little demon you can't take care of? What what was he frustrated about? Because obviously Jesus was, he had a problem here. So then we see in Matthew 17, verse 17, Matthew gives, uh, I'm sorry, I think I'm reading out of Mark and I'm going to go to Matthew right now, but Matthew 17, he also gives a recount of this. Matthew says this, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And then he says, bring them here. Yeah, I believe I'm, I'm in Mark in the first one. And now this is Matthew. I'm sorry. Correct that for all my heresy hunters out there. <laughs> so I'm sure there'll be a video on me about this later. Yeah. So that was Mark. Now I went back to reference Matthew. So Matthew says, you perverse generation. Now, I was reading some commentary and... Some of the commentary says that maybe Jesus was upset because he was tired of seeing the people, the generation, attacked and dealing with the situations that they were dealing with, whether it was demonic or... And then, but, but for me, when I'm reading here, <laughs> Jesus is rebuking the disciples. I believe so. (laughs) But unbelief 
leads you to becoming a perverse generation. Unbelief will keep, it'll lead you to being a perverse generation. Unbelief is so powerful that it stops God from working in your life. Come on, listen, I'm telling you. It keeps you stuck where you're at and it stops you from receiving the supernatural things of God. So we're going to go to verse 20. I believe I'm in Mark here. Verse 20. So they brought him to Jesus, and as soon as the demon saw him, it threw the boy back into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolling and foaming at the mouth. And it's interesting because in verse 20 it says this. It says, that as soon as the demon saw him, it says that he threw himself on the ground and began to foam at the mouth. Can I get somebody to bring me that other mic? This, one, this mic's just messing up on me over here. Just mute it up. All right, there you go. Good old-fashioned. Right? There you go. But it says as soon as he saw Jesus, that the demon threw himself on the ground and began convulsing and he began to foam at the mouth. Now, the same thing happened when the, the disciples came. When the disciples came, the man threw himself on the ground and he began to convulse and he began to foam at the mouth. You see, demonic spirits, they operate with each other. Unbelief is a demonic spirit. And when that demon did that to the disciples, he saw by him doing that, it created unbelief in them. And therefore, when unbelief came in them, they could no longer function in the realm of the glory because they had agreed with unbelief. So they couldn't operate in the glory. They couldn't operate in that supernatural realm. So now Jesus comes, and the demon sees Jesus. So what does he do? He did what he did with the disciples. I wonder if he thought it worked with him. Let's see if it works with him too. I wonder. Maybe that's why he did it. Hmm. So... We see in verse 21, Jesus turned to the father and asked, how long has your son been tormented like this? The man replied, since childhood. It tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into a fire or water. But please, if you were able to do something, anything, I mean, you got to understand, this is a father Crying out for his son. I don't know if you've ever been in a place of desperation. But if there's anything you can do, please, anything for my son. He says, if there's anything, have compassion on us and help us. 
And then Jesus said, what do you mean if? What do you mean if? And then he responds, if you were able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. No, I don't. Okay, let's try that again. If you believe, that's a Holy Ghost. Oh, amen. Come on, we need to agree with that. If you just believe, all things are possible for those who believe. Amen. <laughs> you know, I remember when I started seeing healings happen and and miracles and being young in the faith and and I was really provoked by the supernatural to see God move. And I remember seeing them, they would come and like have you sit down and they would, oh, well, one foot's longer than the other. And they would put out your foot and they would see like, oh, you can see this foot's longer. And then they would pray and they would command the leg to grow and the leg would grow out and then the other one would grow back and and then I saw some things where they would like they would begin to toy with it. Oh, oh you're growing too fat, you're growing too much. Go back a little bit. And the leg would go back. No, 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 no. I need to come and they would come back a little bit more. I saw all that stuff. And everything inside of me wanted to believe. But I had a hard time believing. I really did. But everything in me, my language is like, yeah, God's, God can do all things. He can do anything. But because at that time, I didn't have a grid for why, why only that way? Why does he do it on a chair? And, and like, I don't get it. I, I didn't get it. And, and it wasn't that I didn't believe wholeheartedly. It was the fact that, like, why? And I started to doubt I literally would doubt. And as soon as I would doubt, I would open the doors for unbelief to try to come in. True story. And and it got so bad that I was like, you know, I don't believe, I don't know if I believe all this stuff. I believed in the greater miracles, but I didn't believe in anybody that was their legs are growing because it was too short and they would extend their feet out and I thought it was like a whole game. Just being honest. And when people would come to the church and they would do it, I'm like, yeah, okay. But everything inside of me wanted to believe and as a believer, I would say things like, oh, praise God, that was awesome. Yeah, wow. But I didn't believe. I didn't believe it. <laughs> to one day, oh gosh, I don't even know how many, 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 many years ago. I began to talk to God and I said, you know what? I don't want to see these little leg things grow out, God. I mean, if you're real, I want to see the real stuff. I want to see people. I want backs. I want. I mean, I want to see backs come in alignment. I want to see people grow, and I want to. I want to see eyeballs, and I want to see creative miracles. I want to see the dead raised. 
I don't want to just, you know, praise God. I, I'm thankful for the little ones, but I, I've always been a, a <laughs> I want the more. I'm extra, right? <laughs> Supersized. And, you know, I, I, uh, I was in a meeting, and they called out a, a, this, this woman, older woman, must have been about her 80s. And uh, it was in Joan Hunter's meeting. And it just so happened that I was working the church that night, and I saw this woman like this. She walked in, and because she was older, she kind of was hunched back like this, and she could barely move. And, and the Lord gave a word that he was going to heal her back and straighten her back, and that she was going to grow like six inches. I said, okay, yeah, I want to see this one. Not only did I want to see it, but I want to prove it. So I remember I got my camera, and then, you know, the cameras, they got lines, and they got grids. And I zoomed in the camera, and I put the, the little line right there on her head. And I watched as they prayed for this old lady. And they said, there it is. There it is. And I saw this older woman grow before my very eyes. I saw her, the cat, I saw her, she went all the way from where the camera line was here that her head had to be adjusted and I had to move the tripod all the way up because she grew about seven inches. But see, unbelief will stop you from seeing the supernatural things of God. After seeing something like that, I dare to doubt what God can do. Some of you have heard this story before. A young girl comes, we're live on television. She comes into the meeting that we're having in a, in a wheelchair. They come and she's got her buck, she's buckled up and she's got her wheelchair. And she comes in and we're having the healing service. <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody's getting touched. People are getting healed. But it was nothing major. But doubt tried to come in. Because you're like, well, you know you're going to have to pray for that girl in the wheelchair next. So yes. So we get this woman. We're live. She was about 17 or 18 years old. Bring her up in the wheelchair. She smelled like uh, urine because they, she can't control her, her movements. And she's crying and she's weeping and she says, I told the Lord that I'm not leaving in here the same way that I came in. I said, amen. Faith. And then I remember I went to the back of the church, the room, like just like this, and I looked up. I said, God, you said. <laughs> Those are the way my conversations with the Lord were. I said, God, you said that I would see miracles. You said I would see the creative miracles, that I would see the dead raised. 
But God, I haven't seen nothing yet. Now, mind you, I was thankful for the headaches. I was thankful for the, you know, those things. But creative miracles. I said, God, I'm pulling it down today. And I remember she comes up to the front. And she's there with her mom. And her legs are like noodles. She couldn't even stand. I mean, she had no strength, no muscle in her legs at all. Had been paralyzed for like 13 years. She caught a viral infection that caused her to be in, that to lose her, her, her legs. So I tell the mom, I said, Mom, put your hand on her, her thigh. And I put my hand on her mom's hand. And we just speak, Father, in the name of Jesus, we command life to these legs. Let the virtue of heaven come. Right now, sit upon these legs. And I kid you not, it was like a football being inflated. Her, her, the Lord gave her creatively new thighs and went her muscles and her legs was inflated in, and we could feel it and we're live on television we're live on, 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 on media on TV and it's happening and I can feel it and I'm like oh my god oh my and the mom's there because I got my hand in the mom's hand and the mom's all honey do you feel it honey do you feel it and the, mo- and, and the daughter's like I feel it mom I feel it and then I'm just crying I feel it. Creative miracles. I share that because there's nothing that nobody can say to me that God is not real. And that he is not a God of miracles. He is not a God of power. Because my God is a God of power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, I am not a God of talk, but of power. (laughs) But doubt will stop us from seeing the supernatural realms of God in our life. Not only would it stop us from, from being able to participate and receive it, but it'll stop us from even believing when it's happening right in front of you. Yeah. It can happen right in front of you. Jesus. Verse 20. Oh, I already read that. 21. Jesus turned and asked him, how long has your son been tormented like this? Since childhood. He tries to kill himself by throwing himself in the fire and the water, but please, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, what do you mean if? If you are able to believe, all things are possible for those who believe. 
and then when? When? He heard this. The boy's father cried out with tears. When you're desperate for something, when you're desperate, if you are on a deathbed, and you're desperate, everything inside of you When I prayed for my father after he had passed away, and I told everybody, get out of the room. Doctors, get out of the room. Nurses, get out of the room. Just me and my mom. I got there on top of my father. I put my hands on his chest, and everything inside of me cried out for resurrection power. Tears, Father, in the name of Jesus God. If it be your will, God, resurrect my dad. <laughs> but everything inside of you wants to see it. So with everything inside, we, we cry out. So this father is, is saying, he cries out in tears, and he says, I do believe, but help me by little faith. Because see, little faith, brings doubt, and doubt brings unbelief. It's one thing not to believe when you're a Christian or a follower, but the problem that we have in the church today is that we have too many unbelieving Christians. We have too many unbelieving believers. You, you can think about that right there by itself, just that one saying. There's too many unbelieving believers. And apply that to various areas. In our finances, in our marriages, in our relationship with our children. What do you believe? Because if you believe in him, all things are possible. But if there's a little doubt, you know what doubt is? Doubt is the same thing like not trusting God. Verse 25. Now when Jesus saw the crowd quickly growing larger, he commanded the demon saying, Death and mute spirit, I command you to come out and never enter him again. The demon shrieked and threw the, body, threw the boy into a terrible seizure and finally came out of him. As the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everyone thought he was dead. But Jesus stood down, stooped down, and gently took his hand and raised him up to his feet. 
and he stood there completely set free. Afterwards, Jesus arrived at the house, and his disciples asked him in private, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And he answered them, this type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and praying. Now let's let's pause for just a second. <laughs> I don't believe, and this might rub some people wrong way and get over it. I don't believe God is concerned about what you eat and what you don't eat. So the fasting and praying part isn't about what you're not eating. It's about your willingness to surrender to go deeper. So what he was saying was, this type of spirit requires deeper. You need to go deeper to see this one, this kind, come out. Some demons are so rooted, they're so deep-rooted that if you're not pulling on the heavenly realms, you can pray, but you'll never see any fruit produced. Listen, I've seen people that are demon-possessed, and there can be a line of pastors in a room, and each pastor can and, and I say that, I don't say this in no pride at all. Please don't, that's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying is that when there's a deeper well, that spirit will recognize the well. The demons don't care. You can lay hands all you want. As a matter of fact, they're like, hey, transferable spirit, maybe. Cole, put your hands on me. But when the power of God shows, come on, I remember we had a, they, they brought a, a young girl one time to our meeting and met, met her at the door, and she's like, you're him. Like the demon knew where she was coming before she even got there. Like the demon was so worried about coming to the door that when I met her at the door, she got set free at the door because they recognize the power that we carry as sons and daughters. Holy Spirit. Some of these things require us to go deeper. So what the Lord was saying was, in a nutshell, right, what he was telling them was, because of your exceeded, because of your unbelief, your unbelief exceeded the amount of faith you had to go deeper. That's why this one didn't come out. Because unbelief was higher than us willing to go deeper. Does that make sense?
So prayer and fasting is living a life plugged into the heavenly realms that the supernatural things of God are always being manifested. You see, the boy was sick. He was, I, believe, I believe that. I believe he was sick. Yes, there was demonic things that were manifesting, but I believe this boy had mental issues too. He was sick. He was suicidal. He was in need of supernatural help that the natural realm couldn't fix. Because when the glory of God comes, the miracle realms are open wide. I'm telling you, man. That's why we've seen so many miracles. That's why, listen, we just come and we just worship and there's a glory that comes. And in the glory, in the presence, heaven becomes manifested. And the glory, and we get to step right in. Just step right in. And whatever's not right will have to be made right. I'm going to start to close. Jesus, I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> do, do, do. Unbelief hinders the believers from encountering miracles. Let's turn to Matthew 13. And I'm going to read verse 54 and 58. And again, I'm reading in the Passion. Verse 54 says, When Jesus arrived in his hometown of Nazareth, he began teaching the people in the synagogue. And everyone was dazed and overwhelmed with the astonishment over the depth of revelation that they were hearing. They said to one another, Where is this? Where did this man get such great wisdom and miraculous powers? 55, isn't he just the woodworker's son? Isn't he just, isn't his mother named Mary and his four brothers, Jacob, Joseph, Simon, and Judah? 56, and don't his sisters live here in Nazareth? How did he get all this revelation and power? 57, and the people became offended. Come on. What? And the people became offended, and they began to turn against him. There is only, well, I'm sorry. There is only one place a prophet isn't honored, and it's his own hometown. 58 said this, that their great unbelief kept them from doing mighty miracles in Nazareth. The religious spirit, unbelieving spirit, will hinder a region from stepping into the miraculous because of how they believe. But that's why we say this is an embassy of heaven. And wherever we step foot, it is kingdom ground and it is sovereign. Ah. So what happens outside doesn't pertain to us. But wherever you step foot, it becomes sovereign ground. Therefore, you take dominion 
And I'm going to tell you, everywhere you go, drop a flag. I take this one for the kingdom. I take this one for the kingdom. <laughs> See, the region, that, what is it? What, it says that the, the, the earth is groaning for the sons of God. This region is moaning and groaning for the sons of God. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. And it, need, it, it needs you. That everywhere you go, Let's turn to John 10. <laughs> I put a little title on this one. <laughs> the Religious in Unbelief. John 10. We're going to start in verse 24. And I'm going to read to verse 39. And this sums it up for us right here. Verse 24. When the Jewish leaders encircled him and said, How much longer will you keep us in suspense? Tell us the truth and clarify this for us once and for all. Are you really the Messiah? The anointed one? Come on. He's standing right there in front of them. Right there. And they're even like, and they're begging him. Come on, tell us. Is it really you? Come on. Are you the anointed one? The verse 25 says, and Jesus answered them, I have told you the truth already, and you did not believe me. The proof of who I am is revealed by all the miracles that I do in the name of my Father. Okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to read that slowly for y'all. Are you guys awake? Listen. The proof of who I am. This is Jesus answering the religious. He's just, this is Jesus responding to the unbeliever. But they were religious, so they were believers. The proof of who I am is revealed by all the miracles that I do in the name of my Father. Verse 26, Yet you stubbornly Refuse to follow me because you are not my sheep. And I've told you before, my sheep will hear my voice and know each one. And I know each one. And they will follow me. Listen, unbelief brings a dullness to our hearing. It brings a dullness to hearing and it brings a dullness to our discernment. That they couldn't even discern the Messiah was right in front of them. But these were the religious scholars. These are the ones that are in their word. 
I know the word. I know the word. Holy Spirit's my teacher. Seriously, I want you all to get this. Twenty-eight. I give to them the gift of eternal life, and they will never be lost. And no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me as a gift is the mightiest of all. And no one has the power to snatch them from my Father's care. Verse, uh, Verse 30. The Father and I are one. And when they heard this, the Jewish leaders were so enraged that they picked up rocks to stone him to death. I've been like this lately. <laughs> I have no, I'm I'm like, I'm like, hey, what's up, Flo? It's another one over there. And it says, they were enraged and they picked up rocks to stone him to death. 32. But then Jesus said, my father has empowered me to work many miracles and acts of mercy among you. So, which one of those, man, this is is the Lord telling him. So, which one of those are you going to stone me for? We're not stoning you for anything good you did. It's because you're blasphemy. You're just a son of Adam. But you've claimed to be God. You see, the religious will come to stone you simply because you believe. (laughs) Just because you believe. They'll stone you. For For being a son. Verse 34, and Jesus answered, isn't it written in your scriptures that God said you are God's? The scriptures cannot be denied or found in error. 35, so if those who have the message of the scriptures are said to be God's, then why would you accuse me of blasphemy? 36 says, For I have been uniquely chosen by God, and He is the one who sent me to you. Mm. How then 
could it be blasphemy for me to say that I am the Son of God? If I'm not doing the beautiful works that my Father sent me to do, then don't believe me. 39. But if you see me doing the beautiful works of God upon earth, then you should at least believe that the evidence of the miracles, even if you don't believe my words. Then why would you come to experience me and be convinced that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And I love this verse 39. And once again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped miraculously <laughs> from their clutches. <laughs> Holy Ghost. You see, a mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. But if you plant that mustard seed, it'll grow to be a 15-foot mustard tree. The acorn, if you plant the acorn, that seed, it'll grow to be a mighty oak. And the seed is the word of God. And I love this. I was watching a video and I heard Bill Johnson say this right here. He said, the seed is the word of God. And the soil is the condition of the heart. That hit me. Because, see, we can be really religious about things. And we can know the word and we can, we can be in our word 24 hours a day. That's the seed. But if we are containers of bad soil, if our heart, if the soil is bad, the Word will produce no good fruit. So I don't care how much you know the Word. If your soil, if your heart is offended, if your heart is bitter, if your heart is angry, that's the soil that you'll build upon. And when that thing starts to grow, it's going to look like weeds in the midst of the fruit. I'm going to close with this scripture. Hebrews 3.12 So search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters. And make sure that none of, none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you. For it will lead you astray. And it will make you unresponsive to the living God. Let's stand.
Father, we thank you for this word, God. I pray, Lord, that it doesn't just fall, but that it would penetrate hearts, God. I ask for your revelation, God, for eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying in this hour, Lord. That if we would just believe, God, we'll see your glory, God. If we just believe, God. Father, I pray right now, God. Right now, Lord. I break all demonic activity right now in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of unbelief in this house. I say, unbelief, you must leave now. I come against every demonic spirit, every entity in the name of Jesus. You have no authority right now. Leave. Oh, Jesus, this is an embassy of heaven. And, Father, we say in this house, we believe, God. We believe, God, in the greater glory, God, in your miracles and signs and wonders, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I just thank you, God, that even now, Lord, there's a fresh hunger that's being released in this body, God. Oh, that there's an awakening that's coming, God, right now, Jesus. Just pray in the Spirit. If you pray in the Spirit, pray. Jesus. Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Jesus. I just want to, um, the Lord's just been beating in us, my heart. I've been with Pete and Alice for about three years now, and I've lived in Williams County. I've lived in this region for a while. I've been ner- doing nursing for about 30 years, nurse aid. I've worked in three counties. I worked in one particular nursing home, and this is true. I had a gentleman, he had a growth on his head, and it was cancerous, and it was, it was just, it was awful. And I took care of this gentleman, took care of this hallway. And anyways, I went home one night and I had a dream. I had a dream that I went to work. And this dream was crystal clear. It was from God. He does not even know about this. This is a confirmation. And I had this dream. I went to work and I went down the hall and I went into this gentleman's room. And the mass was gone. The skin was beautiful like a newborn baby's skin. Color and everything. I go, oh my God. It's gone. So I go running down the hall and I get the charge nurse. You got to come quick. Come, come, come. You got to see this. So she comes down the hall. I said, look, it's gone. The mass is gone. God did a miracle. Look, look, look. And she stood there with her arms folded, which represents judgment. And she was like, I said, but look, can't you see? It's gone. And I woke up and I was like, God, are you going to heal this gentleman? You're going to heal him. And the Lord said, I can't. There's too much doubt and unbelief in religion. 
community that that nursing home is in is a very tight religious word community. Everything that this man of God has said is absolutely truth. Because I dreamt this dream years ago, and he is speaking that dream to you people and to anybody that is listening. This is not about obeying a man. This is about obeying God. We're in a time where God is wanting to reach people. And there's a cross over there, and Jesus did this on the cross. And if you have any doubt and unbelief, you need to repent. Just repent and ask God to help you with any of your doubt and unbelief. I'm going to tell you, my husband doesn't even wear a brace anymore, and that started last year at the last tent revival. Before then, I have, I'm telling you, I'm watching a miracle. My husband was in a coma, and they said he would not live. Before I ever knew him, there was a man of God that came into his life and said, let me tell you about these healings, and started taking him to the hunters, to the happy hunters. And when he and I met, he started telling me about, I'm going to get healed, because I've been to the hunter meetings I've had doubt and unbelief, and I've had to repent because I got tired of waiting. God, is it going to happen? And you know what? I'm thankful for this ministry. I exalt God today. I'm not exalting this, the people here. I'm exalting God because God did this on the cross of Calvary. He's not, it, he's not done with us. He's not done. And I'm telling you, I've walked into hospital rooms. I had a lady, she has pancreas. She was out and crying. And you know what? God cleared that room. And I, I, I spoke to that thing. I said, you're going to rise up. You're going to get out of that bed. She was so dull. The doctors didn't know what to do with her. You know what she told me? She got out of bed like the next day. She was out of that hospital. She said to me, you know what she said? She said, I'm going to tell you something. Nobody. You were the only one in that room. It was impossible for you to be alone in that room, for me to be alone with you, because there was too many people coming in and out. God had to clear the unbelief out for her to get out of that bed. God bless. Sorry. No, that's good. She's an evangelist. But listen, right now, I want you to stand as a company of heaven with us as we declare right now over this region. Father, we declare that this region is an embassy of heaven and we command every spirit of unbelief in the name of Jesus to leave. Lord, I thank you for the churches in the region, God, that there would be an awakening in the region and the churches, God, for the pastors, God, that they would have eyes to see and ears to hear, God. I thank you, God, for a movement that's coming, God, from the north, the south, the east, and the west, God, that even now, God, that they, it, would just, it wouldn't be just a normal service, God, but revival would break out, God. Oh, that you would be glorified, God. Father, we say right now, God, Right now, Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven, amen and amen. Holy Spirit.